What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 162 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, joining me for first time in a couple weeks, but not that long, frankly, the great Scott Coleman. What's up, man? What's up, Brad? Thanks for having me on. My pleasure, sir. Just as a quick explanation, we're recording this on Friday night, which was not expected. Um, I honestly had sort of a slip of the mind and realized Friday afternoon that I wasn't going to have any time to record on either Saturday or Sunday um, for Easter reasons and other reasons. So Scott is graciously joining me late night on this Friday. And as a programming note, if you also like to listen to the Road to Atlanta podcast, which is going to be on this feed as always, they recorded today earlier, but they're actually going to save that pod for Sunday and sort of have our time slots. So we're, we're going to flip-flop. We're going to go first and uh, be a little bit more time-sensitive ba- based on this week of uh, action, whereas Road to Atlanta will be less time-sensitive, so they're going to go a bit later. So no big deal. We'll both we'll both have, we'll have podcast content in the next you know 48 hours or so. But it is Friday night, and uh, just keep that in mind as we talk about everything throughout this podcast. So, um, Scott, it wasn't the greatest week. For the Braves, who since, no. we, since uh, Eric and I recorded last, they're they're zero and three. Um, they didn't play Monday and they didn't play <laughs> today because it got rained out. So only three games and uh, a three game sweep. We'll talk more about the games in a minute specifically, but uh, not ideal, especially after after the movement. Everything was going great, and then it suddenly wasn't anymore. Everything was good, man. We had Tiger Woods. I mean, ever since Tiger won the Masters, it's all been pretty uh, pretty downhill. I mean, we, we a week ago we we're talking about the Acuna and Aussie extensions and. Uh, you know, they, they win the final two against the Mets uh, after losing the first two, and that was encouraging. Uh, but yeah, to get to get swept at home by a rebuilding-ish Diamondbacks team, uh, especially the way that they did, and, and then to lose um, Erodis Vizcaino for the year, which I know we're going to touch on here in a minute, is just a, a bad four or five day stretch for the team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I want to tap into your Arizona Diamondbacks knowledge here later because uh, that is your that is your local <laughs> team, not not yes. not the team that you followed the closest, I guess, but your local team. So you are definitely more plugged in with them than most. But we'll come back to that momentarily. You mentioned Arias Vizcaino. That happened this week. He's he's now out for the season with a shoulder injury. Um, you know, specifically, this wasn't a huge surprise given the fact that he had not been used a ton, and there was always whispers whispers about his shoulder. Going back to the off season, Mark Bowman, I'll credit him big time for this sort of planted his flag and saying that there were a lot of discussions about not tendering Vizcaino at all, which is kind of a surprise in the moment, but Bowman nailed this one because of the shoulder weirdness. And, you know, he wasn't like he was terrible when he pitched this year, but there was always some weirdness. He, just didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't pitching very often. He wasn't available, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that uncertainty is now a uh, full season absence after just four innings of work. So we'll talk about what Alex Anthopoulos had to say after the injury was announced, but it's just sort of practically here. It's a pretty big loss because Vizcaino, while never um, super consistently available, when he was available to pitch, has normally been pretty good, and the Braves can use all the help they can get right now in the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, you look back at this offseason, and there's things that, that happened, and, and there were some moves and decisions that were questioned. And for me, I, I truly cannot figure out what the Braves were thinking when they guaranteed Viz. Five million dollars, and they just—they didn't just guarantee him at once, but twice. I mean, they could have cut bait with him in the first or second week of the spring, uh, before the midway point or whatever it was in games, and been on the hook for like five hundred thousand bucks or whatever, whatever ten percent of his salary was. And they still kept him. They knew that his shoulder was jacked up. They—he barely pitched in the spring. You mentioned he—he he appeared in in four innings or four games through four innings. Uh, this is a guy who threw 38 innings last year, uh, has, has only thrown more than 
40 innings once in his entire career. That was in 2017. Um, so for a team that was, as you know, listeners know well, for a team that was so cash-strapped this winter and decided not to spend, I just don't know what the front office was thinking when you guarantee $5 bucks when it was a, a buyer's market for, for relievers this winter. Uh, you could have added two legitimately pretty good late-inning middle relievers for the same money that you're paying Viz to throw four innings and, and now be out for the rest of the year. So I, I was dumbfounded by it then. And, and obviously missing the rest of the season because he has been pretty uh, – he, he's been decent whenever he is healthy. Uh, but with the, with the shoulder concerns, I really just didn't understand this. Uh, I, I get maybe that you don't give up on him in the middle of the winter and see if he shows up in the spring and if his shoulder is better. But the fact that it sounds like his shoulder was already barking right by the time he showed up to camp for them to guarantee him his money by keeping him on the opening day roster was, was really just kind of baffling decision all the way around. Yeah, it just doesn't, you know, in retrospect now, it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback on this stuff and talk about this, but it was discussed ahead of time, which is why, you know, I made sure to note what Bowman was reporting over the offseason. This is not a new problem. There was some, you know, I tweeted about this a little bit. People were tweeting about this, and sort of the people that like to defend the Braves um, kind of blindly were just saying, look, they, they could have known he was hurt. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, they could have. They, they, they pretty much did know that he was hurt. If Bowman was reporting it, someone was telling Bowman that. Um, there was no uncertainty here um, in terms of just whether it was going to be 100% or not like this guy you know could have been healthy and you you have to assume that the Braves had some optimism about his shoulder at some point along the way or they would not have tendered him the contract they didn't have to do that but that in concert with not doing anything else in the bullpen does not look good and I mean we kind of already talked about that a million times on this podcast that was the thing that we we talked about really all offseason like we just kind of assumed that at some point along the way they were going to spend some money in the bullpen because A, it would have been cheap, as you referenced, and B, the bullpen wasn't very good at times last year and they kind of just brought the band back together and it didn't ever make sense in any way. And, you know, it looks worse now when you factor in Vizcaino and the fact that Darren O'Day is nowhere to be found. Um, Those two things, obviously the Braves have better medical information than we do, but the combination of all these factors just looks terrible for this Braves team, especially when you factor in that the bullpen has been pretty bad so far. We'll talk about that more later as we get into the games that happened this week. But yeah, man, I mean, it's just not the optics are really bad to combine the five million for Vizcaino to the fact that they, that they spent no other money. And there was plenty of buzz out there that Vizcaino was going to be a pretty risky proposition. So it's just not a great look for anyone involved here. Um, obviously, it's not Vizcaino's fault. Like you know, he takes the money and he's he's injured. It's not his fault that he's injured. Um, that's what you know. It's one of those things. I kind of wish the best for him. Obviously, you want you don't you want guys to succeed, but it's just kind of brutal in every sense. Um, actually. Our guys, uh, Chris Willis and Eric Cole, were in the were in the building when Anthopoulos was talking about this on the day of, and they uh, passed along some quotes. I'm going to read to you now from Anthopoulos. Um, this is you know just hours later in the dugout, I think, um, and I'm quoting here. There's been a ton of turnover from the beginning of camp till now. We're going to do what we can to look both internally and externally. We'll try to do some things there. End quote about the bullpen and. From there, another quote, if we find we are in a position to where we are comfortable with our starting depth, then maybe we can consider putting one of those guys in the bullpen, end quote, talking about the young starter. So looking ahead now, we'll talk again about the individual stuff that happened this week in a second, but this bullpen is bad and everyone knows it. So is there an obvious, I mean, obviously Kimbrell is the one that gets, talk, gets talked about a ton. I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on that just because it's a story we've been covering for months now, literally. But, you know, if it's Kimmer's the only player 
available that's not on a team right now that isn't on your own roster that you could add. There's no like other free agents. It's Kimbrel or nothing on the free agent market. And after that, you're talking about your young guys in the minors who are probably who are pretty much starters. There are a couple of younger guys in the bullpen um, that could be interesting that, that they could call up along the way. But it's Kimbrel, it's those guys, or you know, it's the same group that we've been looking at now. And the same group that we've been looking at now is just not going to cut it on a full season basis. No, it's it's not. And you know, I I don't want to harp too much on last season, but you you think about how the bullpen was in August and September last year, and it was a situation where. Chad Sabatka, who had a horrible week, uh, Chad Sabatka made his major league debut on like September 8th or something like that. And three or four weeks later, he was pitching in the eighth and ninth innings of, of the divisional series against the Dodgers. I mean, that's, that's where this bullpen was at. So the fact that they just kind of said, well, everything will be fine. And they, they added what Josh Tomlin in the last week of the spring as a, as a long man. And, and that was it. I just don't get it. I just I don't get it. Um, but to your point, I mean, I guess I guess if they want to put one of the young starters like Tukey or, or Freed in the bullpen, I, I guess you could if you want to turn them into like a multi-inning guy. Though I'm I'm just not super confident in Snit's ability to manage that. Which uh, with, with reason, he's been pretty terrible this year with the bullpen management, and some of it's not his fault. He, he can't throw strikes for these guys, but uh, he he's made some. Uh, we'll call it curious decisions so far. So I, I don't know what the solution is. I mean, as you said, Kimbrel is the only guy. This bullpen is more than just one pitcher away, and, I, and I'm uh, I'm certainly in favor of adding Kimbrel if the deal is right. Uh, but but ultimately, it just comes back to they're in a lot of trouble here, and it's something that you and I and basically everybody else who follows the team <laughs> saw coming. Yep. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't get it. I mean, it's the same. It's a similar situation to last last year when everyone knew how bad the bench was and they didn't add anything to the bench at the trade deadline. And then in the off season and top was like, well, maybe I should have added to the bench at the trade deadline. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, what, what are you going to say about the bullpen now? Yeah. Maybe we should have signed somebody when there were, you know, maybe 20 good, decent to good relievers out there who signed for less than two or 3 million bucks. So I'm, I'm pretty dumbfounded and it's a shame too, because as we sit here and the team is, nine and nine which isn't bad by any means they're a game and a half out from first place um there's there's just no reason for this bullpen to be as bad as it is especially when you have a team that is trying to compete or at least should be competing they have a good lineup the starting rotation has stabilized a bit um it's truly the bullpen that's the weak link here and and that's obviously costing them at least uh three games this past week and a couple other times too early in the season yeah i mean it's it's tough for us to talk about this in a new way because we were kind of at the edge of this talking about the bullpen as a worry spot coming into the year and being perplexed about them not adding to it. And that was with a healthy, presumably healthy Vizcaino and what we thought was going to be potentially an addition of, of Darren O'Day along the way. And that could happen at some point, but there's just been nothing about Darren O'Day. So you kind of have to assume he's not going to be a factor for a while, if, not, if nothing else. So... This is not breaking ground for us. Obviously, this is bad news in the, on the Vizcaino front because he was, at the very least, one of the two best pitchers, presumably, in the bullpen along with Mentor. So that's a, that's a brutal loss. Um, by the way, with a hat tip to the great Ben Deronio, uh, formerly of Talking Chop, now of 755 Battery Avenue, who tweeted this out this week. The Braves had the second worst bullpen with only the Reds being worse since the start of the 2015 season in the major leagues. That's Yikes. how bad the bullpen has been for four-plus years now. Now, granted, um, 2015 was individually terrible as a season for the Braves. And if you look a little bit more recently, the Braves are more like a bottom five bullpen or a bottom six, seven bullpen. 
Regardless, it's very bad. It has been bad for a while. Last year, there was an uptick. You know, famously, I know the broadcast was sort of spinning it in the way that they have to um, this week and talking about the uh, the nice uptick last year when they had this great stretch. Of, you know, they couldn't throw strikes for a few months and suddenly they had a really, really good like month, maybe six weeks where they were really, really good. And that's conceivable. And listen, it's baseball. These guys are in the majors. They're not, compl- I mean, it's not impossible that the, that the bullpen could be better, and obviously, they've been so bad so far, you know, 5.13 ERA, walking almost five and a half guys per nine. Even this bullpen is going to be better than that, I think, on a full on a full season basis, but better than that, it's not really the bar you're looking for when you're trying to, when you're trying to compete and win the division, a loaded division, and trying to make a, a deep playoff run. This is not going to work, um, and we kind of know that. So, quickly on what you were talking about with the, with the young guys... You know the guy that I found that I find the the most interesting, frankly, of all the young of all the young pitchers that's already been in the majors is probably Sean Newcomb. Um, I know you mentioned Tukey and Freed. I think Freed's been so good in the starting in the starting rotation that he's going to be there until he's not good because he's been yeah. awesome. Um, I agree. He's he's pretty safe right now. Newcomb, we talked about this before on the podcast. I know you and I have, and Eric, and I have. Newcomb is a guy whose stuff could be just filthy in the bullpen, and my leash is getting pretty short now with Sean Newcomb as a starter. Um, and granted. You know, it's not like I'm not advocating for this openly at this point in time, but he'd be the, the probably the first guy I tried there. Um, but to what you were saying, I, I would use, I'd be using him as, as a multi inning guy. You know, your Josh Hader types, your Andrew Miller types, maybe he could play up like that, and that wouldn't be a bad idea. But you know, aside from that, I wouldn't be putting guys like Freed or Soroka or Tukey in the bullpen. Maybe you try Bryce Wilson. Um, maybe you go with Patrick Weigel was an option people have been talking about as a little bit a guy who's been a little bit further away, but could could potentially be in the bullpen right now, etc. So I don't know, man. There isn't a perfect solution, and uh, we'll talk about how bad the bullpen was <laughs> this week. <laughs> now, yeah. as we uh, transition a bit, but yeah, yeah any, any, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, I mean, I think with Newcomb, it, it's been presented before, and and the concern was, well, you just don't know if he's going to throw strikes to be a, a you know a reliable option out of the bullpen. Well, considering like all but one or two of the guys can't throw strikes in the bullpen right now, um, it's, uh, I mean, other than like Wes Parsons and even like Josh Tomlin, who hasn't been terrible, I mean, who do you truly trust right now to come into the game and throw strikes? I mean, I mean, no, no, nobody. No I mean, for as bad as he was in the first weekend of the year, Luke Jackson is probably like number two on my reliever power rankings right now. As sad, yeah. As I mean, that he's is. been much better quietly. I mean, he I, has. We, we yeah, were all ready to run has. him off with good reason, I think, because he'd been DFA multiple times, and but he's actually been one of the better guys the last couple weeks. So yeah, um, and I mean, it's crazy to the point of of. I mean, that's where we're at, right? Where if Luke Jackson is probably your your second best reliever in the bullpen right now. I mean, that that is a legitimate problem. That's not, well, it's early, they'll be fine. No, or, well, crazy. he's your fifth starter and you can skip him and you have young guys in the in AAA who you can replace in, in June. I mean, that that's a legitimate problem. So, I don't it know, I'm, I'm with you. Newcomb is interesting. You, I think for a while now we've been concerned that he wouldn't throw enough strikes in the bullpen, but frankly, nobody's throwing strikes in the bullpen, so maybe he would find something if he knows he just goes out there for an inning or two and he's going to throw real hard. Um, but yeah, just bad all the way around. Yeah, and that's uh, we'll leave the big picture stuff for now. We'll probably come back at some point. Um, I do want to tell everybody to subscribe to this podcast. I don't mention that at the beginning of the pod, but Road to Atlanta is on the same feed as us: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Overcast. All those podcast players will be back again in just a few seconds with more about the good old Atlanta Braves. All right, Scott, we're back. And um, let's just go day by day here. 
um, kind of briefly, at least. Monday was an off day, as we we referenced before. Um, The one kind of breaking news that happened Monday was that Mike Fultonavich is going to be pushed back a little bit more. They were looking to have him pitch potentially this weekend in Cleveland. That's not going to happen. He's going to throw one more time in Gwinnett because he was a little bit shaky in his last rehab start, which isn't anything to worry about too, too much, but they do need Mike Fultonavich. And the other piece of news on the off day was that um, Johnny Ventures went, went, on the, went on the IL with a calf strain that drew a lot of ire and huh. jokes because Johnny had been so marks. bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Johnny had been so bad that you kind of have to maybe not flatly assume that they're making that one up, but um, it was a situation where the night before – I think Snicker or somebody, either Snicker or someone else in their organization said that they didn't know about any injury with Venters. And then just a few hours later, he was going on the DL with what seems like a, a, a pretty uh, on-brand Alex Anthopoulos made-up injury. Um, we don't know that. Obviously, he could actually be hurt, but Johnny, but Johnny was not very good. So those two things happened Monday, neither of which were obviously ideal, even if Venters going on, on the IL isn't like the biggest deal, biggest deal in the world. Yeah, I think with, with Fulte, the fact that, as we mentioned, you have seen a little more uh, consistency from the young pitchers and Freed's throwing well and you have Tukey and if if Brian Snickers to be believed that you're going to have Mike Soroka up for at least the foreseeable future you have some options so I, I don't think it's a a dire situation you want to get Fulty right you're you're also in a way kind of limiting his innings a little bit so hopefully if if the Braves are right there at the end of the year you're not worried about him hitting a, a super high number or anything like that so um, it's unfortunate about Johnny. I mean, you, you can just see the stuff is not very good. He, even if he was only facing lefties, his, he hasn't been able to get lefties out. And then uh, Snit has done him zero favors by, I mean, he brought in vendors to face Pete Alonzo. I mean, that was, I mean, what are you thinking there, dude? Not to, not to, it was uh, not good. <laughs> criticize too much of Snit. I mean, he, he's certainly gets his fair share of flack on this podcast. So I don't want to beat up on him too much. Somebody has to throw, but, um, Ultimately, at this point, I think, Johnny, you hope that he can get right. Even if he's just kind of a left-handed specialist, that's not the worst thing in the world. He's only getting paid, I think, $2 million this year. So it's not a ton of money. He has such a great story and and is so well-liked around the team that it's not the worst thing in the world if, ideally, he would be your your lefty specialist and you're not relying on him for uh, in big situations. So uh, maybe he uses these couple weeks when he's on the IL to, to get right, throw some side sessions. Uh, maybe figure out something. Who knows what it is? If it's mechanically or, or just mental, or if his stuff has fallen off a little bit, um, he, he's probably near the end of his career anyway. But it would be nice to see him get back and and be able to be a, a contributing member of the bullpen, uh, just given his history. Yeah, I mean, Venter's ER. It's all small sample size theater, but his ERA is over twenty at this point. Um, that's obviously not great. Thanks. Um, yeah. To your point, though, about his usage, just briefly here, he has faced thirteen left-handed batters. The numbers are not very good, but they're not completely disastrous. He, you know, the, the biggest problem is for is the four walks that he's given up in those thirteen and those thirteen batters against righties. He's faced five right-handed batters. He's given up three hits and a walk, two home runs, and six earned runs, and five batters. Yikes! Um, so even if you know we're gonna be we're obviously gonna be pretty charitable here. We we all like Johnny Venters. Um, he needs to place the lefties only. We said that on, on, on last week's podcast. It's not a situation where he can ever function against righties now, I think. Um, he's definitely a pure loogie, and even then, you know, I don't want to go in too far, but the numbers look worse because he was facing right-handers. Pete Alonso was, was the most famous, but five batters face six earned runs against righties is kind of all you need to know. <laughs> about. Yeah, that's a no-go. I mean, that, yeah. that's truly a bring him in to face 
a Bryce Harper for one batter, and you know that he you're is, only yeah, have he is a he is the definition of a one of a one batter loogie at this point. I think maybe if you get in you know a situation where a couple of you know the the, the opposition's big big time guys are coming in in the sixth inning and you have a short start, et cetera, it could be a perfect situation to use him. But yeah, uh, we could probably leave that there for now. Okay, um, to some game stuff from this week, and again, only three games this last time we talked because I know we're recording early, but. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, a, a sweep of losses at the hands of an inferior team, in my opinion, at least the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, they're not a terrible team by any means, but they shouldn't come into Atlanta and win all three games. Um, Tuesday was interesting. Um, you know, there were some bright spots. There was a Ronald Acuna bomb. There was a Freddie Freeman RBI, uh, RBI double. There was a Johan Camargo basis clearing double to go up 5-2. Five, five at, th- at that point in time, there was a lot of optimism, frankly, about the rest of the week even. And then the bullpen got a hold of things, and it was uh, quite a meltdown. You mentioned Chad Sabaka earlier. He had a really rough uh, performance. He had a hit-by-pitch, hit-by-pitch in a walk in a row to open the seventh inning. And then Jesse, Jesse Biddle got beat up a little bit. And then Luke Jackson finally gave up an RBI single and RBI ground out to lose a three-run lead in a hurry. And then after that, later on, A.J. Minter came in in a tie game and kind of imploded. It was second pitch that he threw was, was a home run, and um, that the, the Rays ended up getting down by, by 9-6 to six margin. So all the details don't really matter that much. The bullpen, though, took a 5-2 lead and turned it into a 9-6 loss. And that uh, kind of speaks for itself in some ways. But if you want to be more positive, the offense was pretty good in that game, and Max Free was really good again. Uh, the offense yeah. kind of disappeared the last two games, but if you want to take some solace in anything this week, it was probably Tuesday. It was a starting pitching the whole week, but Tuesday, Tuesday's offense was actually pretty good. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the lineup has not been the problem through the first three weeks or so of the season. I mean, it's it's really been pretty good. I know that uh, a number that we were looking at was just how good of at-bats Braves hitters are putting together, and I think they have I think uh, Ronald Acuna is number two in baseball. At least he was as of yesterday in pitches per plate appearance. I think Josh Donaldson was in the top 15. Dansby was in the top 20. So the Braves lineup has not been the problem. I know the bats went a little quiet on Thursday, uh, though that might have been a little bit more of a uh, a getaway day blues and, and all that. But alas, what can you do? So, yeah, I mean, again, to lose Tuesday's game with the bullpen, uh, I mean, the Braves, even after the, the bullpen Gave up the the five two lead. Ozzy comes in and hits a solo yep. homer to uh, like Sorry. two pitches in. Yeah, and you think okay, they'll be fine. Uh, you know, Diamondbacks bullpen is is actually pretty decent. So uh, considering the rest of their team, they have some they have some good hard throwers in there. So um, yeah, to lose that way and uh, was was frustrating to say the least. Especially when they had just won two pretty good games against the Mets. So just a, a disastrous loss. And then you hope well, at least it's it's the first game of the series. Uh, you hope that you can kind of right the ship on Wednesday and Thursday, and obviously that that didn't happen. Yeah, to your point about the offense, you know, we'll talk about it in a second. But Wednesday, um, Wednesday and Thursday were not great from the offense. It kind of went silent a little bit. Only three runs in two games. But even with that said, this is as of Friday morning. But the Braves are were currently second in in the majors in on base percentage overall at three sixty, which is awesome. And then a 111 WRC plus as a team, which is a, which is in a tie for eighth in Major League Baseball. Um, so the offense, to your point again, has not been the problem at all. And if you factor in defense, the Braves position players have actually been, I'm looking at now, number four overall in Major League Baseball because the defense is so good. So that has not been an issue. The pitching has been much more of an issue than the, than the offense and the position players have been. And a lot of that's bullpen, as we talked about. Um, I guess moving forward, Wednesday... 
was kind of a maddening loss in some ways. The offense did not do what it was supposed to do. Only had two runs. It's some bad, some bad player appearances in some big spots. But um, you know, I, I had the uh, the honor of covering that game on TalkingChop.com, and I kind of used uh, probably a bad headline in some ways. But uh, Jesse Biddle had a rough night. Um, I felt bad for him. I think we all did. Frankly, it was frustrating as as people that want the Braves to do well. But Biddle had kind of given an interview after Tuesday night's game about how it wouldn't happen again with the bullpen, and then he was the one that gave up. Um, everything and on Wednesday he had three walks and his own personal error in a one inning game to go from a tie game to a loss and um you know the rest of the bullpen was actually okay in that game it was kind of just kind of only middle but um I felt bad for him but it was a, it was kind of a maddening loss because for the first time in a while the offense didn't really get it done and then the bullpen again wastes another quality start because Kevin Gossman was awesome on Wednesday yeah, for the most part that was, be- that was his best start as a brave yeah, 10 strikeouts. I mean, you give up two runs, but it wasn't like he was uh, getting batted around quite a bit. Um, it was kind of an unlucky two runs, and 10 strikeouts speaks for itself. So to lose that one on the heels of Tuesday probably felt worse. You know, in a vacuum, you get one batting from a reliever. It's not the end of the world, but I think just combining that with Tuesday's game made a lot of people more angry than they probably would have been. Yeah, and you, like you said, you feel for Jesse Biddle. He said after uh, he said after Tuesday's night, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday's game that this would never happen again, and he wasn't gonna, you know, this yeah. was gonna be the end of the struggles. And then, uh, and then obviously, you could. Say, I mean, he was visibly frustrated, and and I get it. I mean, no one wants to be more successful than the players. Uh, so you know, they're it's their livelihood, and you, especially in a in a job like a bullpen job, where if you have a couple bad starts, all of a sudden you might be out of a job. So. Uh, it was interesting. It was uh, a post-game comment. I think it was in Mark Bowman's game story that the Diamondbacks even acknowledged that there's the scouting report on Jesse Biddle is that he kind of has like the yips and the shakes whenever he has to feel the ball. Um, oh wow! They I, didn't, asked, I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't see that. They asked. Um, I think it was the Castro who put down the bunt when Biddle threw it. Like he threw it like it was twenty a feet really wide. Really bad throw. It was, yeah, it was like, horrible, jarringly bad. Um, yeah, you would think he would have maybe slipped or something, but he was just. Uh, but yeah, even I don't know who had the quote, but they asked, and, and even the Diamondbacks uh, uh, player confirmed. He's like, "Yeah, that's the scouting report on him. Is if you drop down a bunt or if you put something in play, and he has to feel that he he doesn't field the ball well." So that was interesting. I wonder if other teams are going to take advantage of that. I've never really necessarily heard of a player just confirming, like, "Yeah, the guy can't field bunts, so that's why we did it." Uh, so that was a little bit of an interesting yeah, quote. I do think weird. the. Uh, the, the big, the big takeaway though, if you're looking at a, a positive light is, is how good Kevin Gosman was. Um, I think it was, uh, somebody at the athletics said that it was the hardest he's thrown in like a year and a half, uh, which uh, we of course heard last year about the shoulder tendonitis and his velocity was down. So, I mean, I think his fastball sat at like 94 miles an hour, 94 and a half. Um, so that's, that's a great sign. It was, it was being located well, the split was working really well. So Again, the, the result wasn't great, um, and he did give up a little bit of a couple of runs late. But um, all in all, he was really impressive. And, and if he's able to even come close to doing what he did there, uh, he's going to be a really serviceable mid-rotation guy. Yeah, that was a really encouraging start in a lot of ways. Um, we can go to Thursday now briefly. Uh, Mike Soroka was his debut uh, for the season. He had been really good in Gwinnett, and uh, carry that over to this game. H- had some trouble that he dealt with during the start. It wasn't like it was a spotless outing, but we wiggled out of some jams and uh, overall pitched pretty well. Um, and as, a, as I think I referenced before, a third straight quality pitching performance from a starter that was blown later because the offense didn't score. Uh, only one run on Thursday, and then the bullpen had a three-run blow up again. 
Um, again, this is not a situation where the offense was without blame. I got, I got some flack on Wednesday, I think Wednesday or Thursday, one of those two people that were like, well, the bullpen can't do everything. I'm like, yeah, I understand that they didn't score runs in those games, but the bullpen allowed three runs after a quality start. So, you know, in four, was it three innings or four innings? One of those two, regardless, that's a, that's a bad bullpen performance. Once again, it was, it isn't always the bullpen. Uh, and I would say it certainly wasn't the, uh, only the bullpen on Wednesday and Thursday, but that is not a set, that's sort of a separate thing than saying that they were good because, you know, the differences between the game being competitive when when Freeman homers and the game not being competitive was three runs allowed by the bullpen again. Yeah, you're right. And and Soroka did look really good. He kind of got uh, – he was a little unlucky early on. It seemed like every ball the Diamondbacks were hitting was was finding a hole, but settled in, gave up a first-inning run, and then was, uh, was pretty steady after that. Fastball looked good. He was throwing hard. Uh, I thought one thing that was interesting somewhat – and granted, again, it's just one start and – I, I don't know the Diamondbacks' tendencies and how they hit, you know, versus breaking balls or fastballs or whatever you, whatever it may be. But um, it was interesting. They said that uh, he threw a bunch of sliders, way more than what he threw last year. I think they said he threw uh, something like 35 sliders of his 90 pitches, uh, which is a pretty healthy percentage, especially for a guy who has been dealing with some shoulder stuff. Um, compared to last year where he was only throwing sliders, I think, like 15 percent of the time. So that was interesting. The fastball velo looked good. He was throwing more changeups too. He wasn't uh, he wasn't throwing as many fastballs, but when he was, they were they were coming in harder than what they were last year. So again, it, it sounds like at least for the interim, you you're going to have Soroka up, and who knows where he's going to go. I think it's pretty clear at this point. Like, there's no real need for him to be in Gwinnett. Um, he's no. clearly good. He, I mean, anytime he goes to Gwinnett, it seems like he's working on a perfect game. Yeah, he is a he is a flat out major league starter. The only yeah. issue with Soroka is health at this point. Like he, everyone kind of agrees from analysts to reporters to people on the team. It was kind of an immediate. Yeah, he'll be up again for the next start. Like no one even debated it. It wasn't like they didn't even like the, the, the like the fake conversation. Soroka is in the rotation unless he's not healthy. That's that's yeah. kind of it right now. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and again, he should you talk about him. he should. I mean, he he is he's poised. I mean, even early on. You know, you could see where Lowing, I think the first three hitters of the game uh, got a hit against him, or the second, third, and fourth hitters of the game got a hit against him, whatever it was. I mean, you could easily get rattled. You're, you're one star, you're, you're amped up, and all of a sudden you're in trouble. And before you know it, you're in a 3-0, 4-0 hole. And instead, I think he struck out a hitter uh, and then uh, and worked out of it with a pop-up. So um, he, he's very good. It's, what is he, 22? I mean, the Braves, again, you talk about all these young pitchers, and if Tukey can continue it, uh, if you get Fulte back, you get Gosman back. I mean, this team has it, – it's different. I mean, everyone kind of has those the sour taste in their mouth when they had to throw Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson into the Wolves on opening week in, in Philly, which was just a horrible situation all the way around. Um, I, I think this rotation has a chance to be one of uh, maybe a top five, top six group in the National League moving forward once they get Fulte back and assuming people stay healthy. Uh, it's just, of course, getting some consistency – uh, with the lineup, and then somehow I don't know what the solution is. I don't think anyone does, uh, but trying to fix this bullpen to a point where it, you at least aren't cringing whenever the starter comes out of the game. Yeah, I mean, I I was not super enthused by the by the rotation early on in the year and during the off season just because of the uncertainty level, but the upside was always kind of there. And if you throw in Soroka, we'll see what Tukey looks like because he's going to pitch um, his first start. I know he kind of had a starting kind of role in his last outing because he pitched so, he, he pitched so long. But his first official start will be um, on Saturday in, in the uh, doubleheader. So 
you throw in those two guys uh, with Fulte coming back and with, with the way that Gosman and Freed have looked, you suddenly have a pretty intriguing group um, with some depth, of course, as well. So um, that is probably the single most positive thing from this week is the starting pitching performances of three straight guys. The Braves going 0-3 in those three starts is really brutal in some ways and a small sample kind of thing. But big picture, getting those kind of performances is awesome. So um, more of that, please, if you are the Atlanta Braves. Um, quickly looking ahead the rest of the week, I mean, I don't want to get – too deep into this because I know people are going to listen to this a little bit later probably because it's not our normal schedule, but a Friday rainout happened, leaving a doubleheader um, we scheduled for Saturday with Julio Tehran in Game 1 and Tuki in Game 2. Um, I'll be more interested to watch Game 2 than Game 1 with all due respect <laughs> to Julio Tehran. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, that and then Sunday, you know, we'll see if they get all these all three, all three of these games in. But anything stand out to you anything, anything you're looking for other than just Tukey because I think Tukey's the one everybody's going to kind of circle but it would be nice to see the Braves get right a little bit um and you know we'll see how we'll see how Julio fares on the road in this spot yeah uh, I, I think if you're going to catch the Indians I mean now there's there's a chance that they're going to get Francisco Lindor back this weekend he's been on a uh, rehab assignment I think he's only played one game though because of rain so who knows if they're going to bring him back I know it was reported that he might be back this weekend though with the wet conditions and a calf injury, I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, the Indians are, are obviously a good team. They've won the division last three or four years. Um, they have uh, some crazy pitching talent. You mentioned game one is Corey Kluber. Game two is Trevor Bauer, who is probably the best pitcher in the American League right now. I mean, the dude he's, is, he's is just right ridiculous. Yeah. Um, just just a crazy good pitcher. Um, and then Shane Bieber is is the Sunday night starter um for uh who's pitching for the braves on sunday night Ooh, i had this in front of me is that I freed i think it might be freed again let me make sure that but yeah because right. it was supposed to be things that shuffled because of faulty and that was the original That's scheduling right. that i yeah. had in front of me and now i'm looking yeah. it up free it's great radio yeah free <laughs> and it's yeah, espn so. by the way it's, an, it's, an, it's another night game which is crazy to see how yeah. many times early in the year the braves are on sunday night baseball but here they are again yeah, yeah. so you get you know two really good young pitchers with bieber uh, who, who's a fantastic pitcher. If you haven't had a chance to see him pitch, he's really, really good. Kind of like a Mike Soroka, honestly, is kind of his his repertoire guy who pitches beyond his years and commands well. So um, three really good starting pitchers. Corey Kluber's been not as good this year as, as in recent years, but um, you know it's a real challenge. The Indians are a good team, even with their injuries. Uh, they still have a pretty good lineup uh, with Jose Ramirez and, and Carlos Santana's there. Um, so it's, it's going to be a challenge. Hopefully the weather cooperates because the last thing they need is a couple more rain delays. Um, but even if, you know, it'd it'd be fantastic if they could get out of Cleveland with two out of three wins, even one win considering, uh, the pitching they're going to see, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I think in general, the Indians are not as good as you, as people think that they are just because their division is so bad. And they didn't spend money. You, by the way, you know they're sort of the parallel for the Braves right now, and that their fan base, like borderline revolted. I know, I know a lot of Cleveland fans from my NBA dealings, and um, the, the Indians were like comically not spending money and like pretty open about it. Like the Braves kind of just did their thing and talked around it. The Indians were like, "No, we're not going to spend because we, we don't need we, we don't we don't need to spend." It was like kind of a hilarious, um, put it back in the face of your fans because they know they can win the division without spending. And yeah. that was kind of brutal. Like, I guess like, I could see both sides because the Indians are comfortably still the best team in that division. So you can excuse it a little bit more. But if you're the Indians, you kind of have – you probably want to have World Series aspirations. Um, whereas the Braves had to 
get better to win the division and the Indians didn't have that. So there's a parallel there, all kinds of stuff. And uh, from what we just sort of uncovered, I, I wasn't even realized about Sunday. Pitching matchups are actually going to be a lot of fun. Like the worst one in the worst one is the one that involves Julio again, with all, with all respect, we kind of just know what he is, but you know, Corey Kluber and you know, there's a lot of intrigue over the weekend. So no masters, people could sort of dive in now that, you know, all the craziness is, you know, no final four, no masters the last two weekends. It's, it's a Braves weekend. So dive in. And uh, Braves weekend NBA playoffs. I know you're excited about those. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been watching as, hockey, we, as, we, as we've been discussing. So. Hockey playoffs. I'm all in on hockey. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's, you, it's you, really... co- you cover hockey. I'll cover the NBA. We'll call it, we'll call it a day, Scott. <laughs> no, it, actually, yeah, playoff hockey is enjoyable. I, I actually, I actually kind of like playoff hockey. It's just yeah, I don't have time to watch it until the end because I'm just watching so much yeah. basketball, but I do like it. Yeah. No, it's a good – April's a great time. You mentioned Masters, baseball, the draft is next weekend for football. Hockey playoffs, basketball play. I mean, it's it's a good time of year. Yeah, it is, and uh, it'd be nice. Um, I know this is probably sort of a negative podcast overall, but um, we have that reputation. But this week, I think you kind of have to talk a little bit critically because they lost all three games, and their second best reliever or best reliever got hurt for the season. So not a ton to be positive about on the pod, and we're recording early. So hopefully that means the Braves will go out and sweep, and we'll have uh, plenty more positive stuff to talk yeah. about next time we gather on this particular podcast but scott anything else that we haven't covered that you want to get out there and if not please tell people where they can find your work as always because uh while the movement has kind of cooled um <laughs> tiger's still uh tiger's still everywhere including on the mlb official account which is absolute insanity by the way that happened last um sunday and when eric and I, i'm not sure if you heard this on the podcast but eric and i were recording when when the mlb account officially tweeted out for the first yes. time we, we, we both kind of lost it on the podcast yeah like, no it was great up. i wish you could have yeah could have phoned me in or something like that for five minutes just to to celebrate it yeah um no i mean it's it's been i don't know i, I think just going back to the the bad week i mean yeah it was it wasn't great but you're gonna have bad stretches i mean Everything we're still what is it April nineteenth today? They, they've played I mean, eighteen games, which is uh, what like nine percent of the season or yeah. something like and that. Eleven percent after uh, yeah, they're nine and nine at this point. Last year they were ten and eight, so they are one game worse this year than they were last year. Just for some perspective. Now again, we're not going to act like the division isn't much better and the rest of the league isn't better, you know, so on and so forth. But um, you know, everything gets magnified in April. I mean, anything before honestly Memorial Day seems seems kind of silly to put like a ton of stock in. Now there's there's things that are encouraging, like you know Dansby's had a great year so far, and uh, you know you think there's there's a chance for guys like Donaldson to get better, and Acuna's been so good and so on. But um, you know it's it's still early. It doesn't seem like that in the moment because every game is important this year with how good the division is. But uh, again, we're we're 18 games in. Uh, what is that? Like eleven percent of the season, or something like that. Eleven point one percent. Yep, that's one yep. out of nine, it's, essentially. Uh, so, how about that for some math? Yeah. So, you know, it's the equivalent of we're in the midway point between week one and week two of the NFL season. Is is basically where we're at when you you know when you <laughs> think about that. So, that's a that's a good uh, point. Yeah. So, but no, as always, check the site. The minor league recaps are a lot of fun, uh, and, and of course, all the news. I don't know. Maybe we'll get another extension this week. Um, probably not. <laughs> we're probably, we're probably good with, with Acuna and Ozzy. I guess, I guess like Dansby maybe wants to get in on the fun, but, uh, we'll see. But as always check out the site and on, uh, on Twitter, it's Scott Coleman 55. Yep. And, uh, even as we're talking about this stuff now at worst at the end of tonight, the Braves will still be, um, I believe in third, I'm looking up the, yeah, Washington, um, played earlier. So yeah, the Braves at worst, 
uh, at the end of tonight's um, recording will be in third place and very much within striking distance of the Phillies and the Mets. So fortunately, like nobody's like 14 and three or something coming out of the gate. So the Braves are just fine. No worries. Nine and nine. Long way to go. And we'll talk about it throughout the season. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast. Check out Road to Atlanta coming in a couple days. Probably going to drop on Sunday at some point. And uh, we'll see everybody very, very soon.